Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Like Heather said, we're not professionals. When I started pastoring, I had no leaders. I had no help. And you will see me running around, having church, running around, doing sound, doing coffee, going here, going there, right? Because when God calls you, he equips you. And for a season, you might have to do it alone. And it's okay. And then you develop those skills, and then God starts bringing leaders. When Heather and Jeremy got to this church just almost two years ago, they were just quiet. Our whole setup was really different. And they just sat there. God gave me a prophetic word over their lives. And they, grabbed, they, they just grabbed a hold of that prophetic word. And they began to believe what God was telling them to do. And they become great leaders. Heather, Heather is in, uh, in school right now for getting her master's in divinity. And out of, she's doing her internship and taking time out of all that to be a worship leader, be an administrator, be an administrative pastor here at the campus. You know, and we're just raising up leaders. And these are people that you would have never imagined. Like, you might see me here on a mic preaching, teaching now. But if you would have met me 25 years ago, I was the kid at the club. I was the one sleeping around. I was the one that was broken. I was the one that was abused. I was the one that was suicidal. I thought I had HIV. And then Jesus met me there. Churches pushed me away. Because they couldn't look at a person like me to even believe that God can save me. I mean, I was told that you were born to go to hell. People, believers, Christians, I don't believe they're the bride. I believe those are wolves in sheep's clothing. They didn't even have an understanding of the word of the Lord. They didn't even understand who the word is. They had an understanding of scripture, but they didn't know the word because the word is a person. And that person's name is Jesus. And he, he meets the broken. He meets the hurting. Not that he keeps them in that place. No, it's not what he does. Does a mechanic keep a car broken? Does a dentist keep teeth rotten? No. Does a doctor keep people sick? No. But they need them. They meet them in that place of need. Now, a bad plumber will come to your house and mess up your pipes. But a good plumber is going to do his job. A good carpenter will make your house fall apart. Of a bad one, a good carpenter will come and fix it. Jesus is a good carpenter. He's good at everything he does. Jesus meets the broken and he restores them. Jesus meets the sick and he heals them. Jesus takes the people that were last and he makes them first. That's the Jesus. He takes the people that had no hope and he gives them a hope. He takes, I'm telling you, he will take a prostitute and make her a prophet. This is the Jesus that I know. It's not the Jesus that I was raised with knowing in church, but it's the Jesus that I met. It's the Jesus that changed my life. He healed my body, literally. I know a lot of people are like, when you're growing up in churches, he healed my body, he touched my mind, he saved me just in time. I sang it in youth group. I was raised in church. I didn't even know what I was singing. I had to go through some stuff after youth group. I had to go through a lot of real life. And now if you see me singing, I'm going to dance, I'm going to get up, and not because everybody's dancing. Because sometimes you might walk into a church and nobody's moving, but Abraham's moving. And I'm not moving because people are moving. I'm not being still because people are being still. I'm moving because I met my Savior. Because I met my Redeemer, and he gave me a message to shout unto the world. There is a Savior. There is a Redeemer. There is a healer. And this is why at the resting place, we do things like gay pride. I know for a lot of churches, they're like, oh, my God, we just went to a, a apostate type of church or, or heretics. No, no, no. Let me explain to you. I come from that lifestyle. I come from the gay lifestyle. And people shun me. People kick me out. And I turn to drugs. I turn to sex. I turn to the clubs. I, told, I turn to alcohol. Trying to find a hope and salvation because the church kicked me out. 
I have friends that were raised in church but died from HIV. I, my best friend was raised in church, hurt in church, and died in a motorcycle accident, drinking and driving. I saw my friends give up on God because the ambassadors didn't know their God. But God is looking for a church. God is looking for ambassadors that need to see him face to face first. We cannot preach a message if we don't know the Savior. We cannot be ambassadors if we don't know the King. We were not called to regurgitate somebody else's message. We were called to speak the word of the Lord. We were called to stand firm in the foundation of Jesus Christ. For he said, if you take my words, you will be like a wise man that has built his house upon the rock. And when the wind blows, when the storm comes, when the ground shakes, when the fire burns, your house will not fall. Because you are founded on the immovable rock of the ages. And his name is Jesus. He is the one that's holding you up. He is the one that is sustaining you. It's him. And he gave you the Holy Spirit as a friend. Not as a judge, as a condemner. God is the judge. But do you guys know what his throne is called? Do you know the name of the throne of God? He is the judge. And he sits on a throne. But do you know what that throne is called? It's called the mercy seat. It's called the mercy seat. It's not the destruction seat. It's not the wrath seat. It's the mercy seat. And he says, whoever comes to me, I will not push away. We must come to him. We must come to him. If we don't come to him, we don't believe in him. And if we don't believe in him, then how can we know that he's good? He says, whoever comes to me, there is a must. You must know that I'm good. You must know, you must come to Jesus, but you need to come and know that he's good. If you realize, if you come to God thinking he's angry and bitter and wrathful, you, you will never draw close to him. Because you're too afraid. Because you think he's going to beat you and smite you. No, he, he did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. That in him, all of us could be saved. The chastisement of your peace. Chastisement means the punishment. The punishment of your peace went upon him. Why is he ready to punish you? If he took the punishment, if he took the beating, then somebody tell me why is he ready to beat you? Why is he ready to hurt you? See, what they taught you is wrong and is of the devil because that is not my God. He did not come to condemn the world. He said, he who does not believe is already condemned. You're not going to condemn if you don't choose God. You're not going to get condemned. You were already condemned. I was already condemned to hell. I was already, as a matter of fact, living in hell. I was suicidal, depressed, abused, molested, rejected. Everywhere I went, people were taking advantage of me because I didn't know who I was. And how could I know who I am if I don't know who he is? I needed an encounter with my king to then find out who I was. Because only my creator, only the one that made me and formed me, the one that knitted me together in my mother's belly, could tell me who I was. The world was telling me one thing. Religion was telling me another. My family was telling me another. I didn't have an identity. Because somebody might come by and be like, worthless. You're good for nothing. Or you're just going to be like your cousins, a drug dealer. Well, you were born to go to hell. So what do you do with that? You lose yourself. We were not called to listen to the voice of any man. We were called to learn to hear the voice of our Father. It is the voice of truth that leads us to hope. It is the voice of truth that leads us to salvation. It is the voice of truth that leads us to heaven. That's why he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. I know them and they know me. They do not listen to the voice of a stranger. They listen to the voice of the father. What is one of the things that a parent teaches their child 
when the child starts going to school, don't talk to strangers. Where did they get that from? Every parent got that, you know, from who? From God. Because God's been telling us in his word the whole time, don't you talk to strangers. Don't listen to strangers. And it's not people. He's talking about the voice of the enemy. The voice of death. The voice of sin. The voice of grave. Grave. Listen. Speaking to you. Do not listen to the voice of the devil. Do not listen to the voice of, of lust. Of gluttony. Of anger and bitterness. But listen to the voice of your father. Listen to the voice of peace. Listen to the voice of joy. Listen to the voice of hope. Listen to the voice of salvation. Listen to the voice of mercy. Listen to the voice of goodness. Listen to the voice of patience and kindness listen to the voice of self-control and then all of a sudden you begin to know who you are you begin to find yourself by the way my name is Abraham and I'm the campus pastor I'm not a formal pastor guys religion almost killed me religion kicked me out so I don't do, the, God told me, look at what the church doing, then go do the opposite. And that's the way that I live. I'm going to go to where nobody wants to go. I'm going to go to the highways and the byways and I'm going to compel them to come. Because Jesus came to me when nobody else came to me. For two and a half years, I walked away from church. I walked away and I didn't walk away from church because I was in sin, no. I walked away from church because I got tired of the hypocrisy. I got tired of the systems. I was in ministry before, and I walked away, and I said, I will not be part of this. I will not be taking the money of the poor. I will not be having secret meetings. I will not be sitting here mocking people and taking advantage of people. This cannot be the kingdom of heaven. And I made a conscious decision to walk away, and it broke my heart. And it took two and a half years. And then Jesus came for me. On January, I walked away from church in November of 2008. On January 7 of 2011, Jesus came for me. I had a Jesus encounter, encounter my burning bush experience, my road to Damascus moment. I thought that was a mouse, bro. <laughs> it was the cap. I was like, what? <laughs> the cap was rolling on the floor. And I was just like, what? it's all right. <laughs> and the Lord met me. And the Lord was and is and will be good. Jesus was radiant. And, but he was kind. See, I thought whenever I meet Jesus, he was just going to be like, depart from me. But that's not what I experienced. First of all, he met me in my sin. He showed up in my brokenness. He showed up on that day. In my apartment, I wasn't praying. It looked like I had been fasting and praying. Because I thought that for me to have a Jesus encounter, I was going to have to fast for 40 days, 40 nights. I was going to have to, like, be super holy and righteous. Because I, I wasn't, and, and, and I did that for years. And then I gave up on everything. And then two and a half years later, he showed up. I was like, I was moving. I was moving apartments. I was moving back boxes and packing. And then my room lit up. And Jesus came into my room. And I began to weep. And I just started to cry. It was instant. It was instant. For two and a half years, I couldn't feel God's presence. And then his presence showed up out of nowhere. See, because it had nothing to do with me. And it had everything to do with him. Because years before, when I was in school, when I was in Bible college, when I was doing the God stuff, God said one thing to me. He raised up a crazy old man back in that day. That man is in heaven already. Some old man, a little black man. He looked like Colonel Sanders. He had a cock eye. He was sitting behind me. I went to visit a church. He sat behind me. And all I heard behind me was, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God. I heard that, and I slowly, I felt like it was slow motion. I turned around, and this man with a cock eye, he was looking at me like that. He was reaching out to me. And I literally, my spirit said, this man is a prophet. I was like, it was kind of scary. And he grabbed me by the shoulder. And he said, hey God, hey God, hey God. You is a prophet because a prophet knows a prophet when he sees a prophet. What? 
and yet I understood everything he said. It, I don't know how I understood it. I was like, this man is a prophet, but he's calling me a prophet because he sees that I'm a prophet. I saw it. And he said, no man will get glory for what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to teach you my word. And I went through a process where everybody had to leave me, where everybody had to forsake me, where I had to fall flat in my face. And then Jesus showed up. When I least expected it, because it wasn't about me, but it was about him. Because I wasn't going to get glory. I could totally would have been here like, well, I did this, and I did that. And I graduated from here, and I graduated from there. And I, I fasted, and I prayed for 40 days. And all of a sudden, I will be standing here giving glory to me. But I'm not going to sit here and give myself glory because I didn't do nothing to get to this place. But obey the voice of my master. Because he led the way. And when he showed up in my room that day, I said, Lord, I thought you were going to come when I was fasting, when I was praying, when I was teaching, when, when everything was right. And I'm not telling you to go sin now. Don't take my testimony and try to make your own formula with it. Because you, you'll get some people be like, well, he was in sin this whole time and Jesus met him in sin, so I'm going to go sin. That's when not, I'm not saying that. So don't twist my words. I'm just telling you how he met me. Just because he met Moses because he murdered someone and he went running into the desert doesn't mean now you're going to go murder somebody and go run into the desert. Stop trying to be a copycat. Stop trying to be like somebody else. How about you bow down at the feet of Jesus and allow Jesus to meet you wherever you're at because this is not a formula. This is a relationship and every single one of us is going to encounter God in a different way. If somebody's speaking in tongues, stop trying to speak the tongues they're speaking. If somebody's prophesying, stop trying to prophesy the way they prophesy. And how about you just surrender to God and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Let your will be done here on this earth. Do what you want with me. Stop trying to go to God and tell God how he needs to touch you. Stop trying to tell God that he, you need to look like T.D. Jakes. You need to look like Ronnie Howard Brown. You need to look like Catherine Coleman. You need to look like Mariah Woodward Etter. Stop telling God you need to look like Rock Parsley. Stop trying to tell God you need to look like your mama. Stop trying to tell God you need to pray like your grandmama. How about you say, God, just touch me. God, let your will be done in my life. God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Do with me as you want. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. And all of a sudden, you'll be speaking something you never knew you could speak. All of a sudden, you'll have a relation of God you never thought you could have. So all of a sudden, you're going to open up the scripture and be like, whoa, what did I just see? And you're not going to be repeating what everybody's saying. You're going to be delivering the letters that the Father gave you directly to deliver. For he's not giving everybody the same letter. He's not even giving people the same people. We've all been given a tribe. We've all been given a nation. And if you would just trust God, just look at the men and women of God and see them as examples. But don't try to carbon copy because you are an original. Stop trying to be like me. Stop trying to be like them. Just say, use me. Stop trying to sing another man's song. The, the word says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Well, I don't sing like Maverick. I don't sing like Hillsong. I don't sing like these. I don't sing like those who told you you had to be like them. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. We are one body with many parts. And every part must do its part. The body's not all kidneys. Imagine what I would look like if I was all kidneys. My eyes would be kidneys. My nose would be kidneys. My head would be kidneys. Kidneys on kidneys. How would I speak if my mouth was a kidney? How would I see if my eyes were kidneys? How would I touch if my fingers were kidneys? How would I live if I was, my heart was a kidney? I need you to be you. And you need me to be me. And then we could come together. God didn't make all apostles. God didn't make all prophets. God didn't make all teachers. God didn't make all leaders. We need each other. Even the teacher needs students. Because if the teacher doesn't have students, then who is the teacher going to teach? So how will the con legacy continue if there's not students to learn? If we were all pastors, then who are we going to lead?
if we were all leading, then who are we leading? And if we were all followers, then who's going to lead us? But we have this mentality that we're trying to be like the next best other person. When God just wants you to be the best you. When God wants you to discover that he lives in you, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation, that you are a chosen generation. And he met me in that place. And I couldn't stand Christians. And he began to heal my heart. And I'm a Christian pastor now. Because that's what God does. God will lead you to feed your enemies. I was molested. And yet God took me to take care of my molester. And I saw my molester get healed through forgiveness. It wasn't all the church systems. The church systems are leading to a place where you must have an encounter. You could study the Bible all you want. But if you don't hear the Lord speak it to you, I knew all my Bible verses. But when Jesus came and he spoke them, what? I was like, that's what you meant? Because the way that he speaks his word. It don't sound like none of us. There is, there's a sweetness when he speaks. And when he speaks, you understand. When you hear his voice, see, I thought, I thought the voice of God was going to be thunder. And one time I did hear the God, voice of God in 2002. I heard the voice of God in thunder. And it scared me. And then never again I wanted to hear God's voice. I hid under my pillows and it covered my head. And I was like, no, I'm not ready. But it's because I was looking at him through the lens of religion. But when I was broken and I was hurting and then he showed up and his voice was so gentle. I said, Lord, I thought, I thought you were going to come when I was fasting, when I was praying, when I was teaching, when I was leading, when I was full of the spirit. I thought that's when you were going to come. But not like this. It's like, not like this. I failed you. I've sinned. I'm broken. I lost my faith. And he looked at me and he said, this is how I want you what? No, no, but I'm messed up. I'm messed up and you can't love people like me. He goes, can I touch you? Those were his words. Can I touch you? And I began to weep and I was like walking around my apartment. I was like, no, but I messed up. I messed up. I'm a sinner. I didn't realize I was confessing. I was in front of him confessing. It's like when somebody's trying to be in a relationship with you and you're like, but I'm, I'm a mess. You don't want to be with me. And they're like, no, I made up my mind. I love you. No, 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 but, but I'm insecure and I'm worthless. They're like, I love you. And Jesus kept extending his hand towards me. And I'm glad that I finally gave up. I'm glad I gave up. I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad he didn't even leave. Because he could have left. He could have left that day, and I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't even be given this testimony. He didn't leave. That was 12 years ago. And in my apartment, he told me things. He's like, you're going to be a pastor. It wasn't a prophet. It wasn't a teacher. It wasn't a pastor. There was nobody there. But he told me what he was going to do with me. He says, you're going to preach my word, and I'm going to take you to the nations. I was like, I want to stay with you. And he was like, you're not staying. He took me to heaven that day. He ripped me. I could have been dead. I was in heaven with the Lord. He took me away from my apartment. And we flew away. And I begged. I kicked and I screamed to stay. If, he would have, if the Lord would have granted me that moment. Because I could see earth at the distance. Like when you look at the moon. I was in the green pastures looking at earth. And I'm like, I made it. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> and then he goes, Abraham. He don't even call me Abraham. He calls me Abraham. That's how the Lord calls me, Abraham. So get used to it. When you meet me in heaven, you're going to be like, Abraham. I'm like, get it right. Earth messes everything up, even the pronunciations of our names. And if you don't believe me, go through your Bible and tell me how many people God changed their name. God loves to change people's names. God loves to come in and change names. Sometimes he just changes one letter. By changing one letter, he changes the whole definition of thy name. And sometimes he just changes the whole name completely. Ask Jacob and ask Peter. He changed their name completely. 
But then some people, like Saul, he just puts a new ladder. And he goes, Abraham, get ready because I got to take you back over there. It's like, no, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? I made it. I made it. I don't need to go back. He goes, no, now? Now you're going to preach. No, look at all these people here you can send. I was telling him, look at all these people. You can send one of these. I'm staying. He said, no, no, you. I was like, Lord, you need me here. I was trying to convince him. It's like, you need me here. He goes, why do I need you here? I was like, because you need somebody here to worship you. And he started laughing. He was like, everybody here worships me. I'm like, but you need mine. It's mine that you need. He's like, no, you're going back over there. I was like, no, 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 I can't. And I got upset with him. I cried. I kicked and I screamed. And when he told me to look at him, I didn't want to look at him. I was like this. I was like, I know you. I'm not going to look at you. He was like, Abraham, look at me. I was like, no, I'm not going to look at you. I was like, I know you. I know you. And you want me to look at you because if I look into your eyes, if I look into your beautiful eyes, you'll convince me to go and I don't want to go. And he laughed. And then he scooped me up in the palm of his hand. And he took me to the green pastures and still waters. I looked over his hand and I was like, I know this place. I was like, this is Psalm 23. This is Psalm 23. And he laughed. He goes, this is where I brought my servant David. And then he laid me on the green pastures. He laid me by the still rivers. It was like a little green hill. I was just laying there like this. And then I looked up. And I looked at his eyes. And his eyes were flames of fire. Blue fire. And I just looked at his eyes and I got lost in the beauty of his eyes. And I just started saying, oh, Lord, your eyes are so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And as I'm looking at his eyes, he put his finger right on my chest and he pushed me. He just pushed me. And I went through the grass down. And I saw, it was like an elevator coming down. And I could see my apartment coming up. And then I was in my living room. And I remember um, I looking up and my ceiling was open. And he was going farther and farther away. And I was like, no, no. And I jumped on my sofa and I kept jumping up to the ceiling. And then it just closed. And I cried for days. I cried for days because it was like death. Like here I am with my king and now I'm gone. But I had a purpose. I had to meet you guys. Even if it's just once. I might see you just one time. But you heard the story. He told me, tell my children this story. Guess why you're listening to this story? Because you're his child. You're his child. And there's things that God wants to do with his people that is so beyond the face of the earth, so far beyond religion, traditions, and systems. He is looking for a people that will long to hear his voice. He's looking for a people that would say, yes, send me. I will go. I'll tell them. I'll tell them. He only chooses a prophet of unclean lips to speak to a people of unclean lips. You've been telling God this whole time, change this about me. And the very thing you want God to change is the very thing God wants to use. You see, you want to forget the abuse. You want to forget the rejection. You want to forget that weakness and that struggle. But God wants to empower you in that area. So then you could go out to that same type of community. Just like he did with Isaiah. Isaiah said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I come from a people of unclean lips. And the Lord's like, but who will go? Who will tell them? The only reason that God is speaking to you today, the only reason that God is revealing himself to you today is because he needs you to go. There is a people of unclean lips. There's a messed up family you come from. There is a messed up church you come from. There is a messed up culture you come from. But God has chosen you to go and tell them that he is good. He has chosen you to go and reveal to them that there is a savior. That there is a redeemer. That there is a way. That there is a hope. That there is a salvation. And his name is Jesus. The great I am. The high and lifted up one. He is so tall and mighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The angels and seraphims cry out, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The, the elders with their crowns bow down and cast crowns at his feet. The living creatures proclaim who he is. The whole earth declares his glory. The whole nature itself gives an account of the glory of God.
It will simply just stop and listen to who he is. We want God take this away. And God take this away. And God take this away. I never want to tell people what I really went through. I never want to tell people where you really met me. No. God needs you to tell people of your brokenness. God needs you to testify how he met you in your secret sin. Even when you were in church, you, you were gossiping about the pastor. You were lusting after somebody. You were murmuring and slandering. You were living out of control, eating whatever you wanted, sleeping around with whoever you wanted, watching pornography when nobody was there. We all done it. We all sinned. We are all guilty of it. But he's met us in that place and he didn't come to destroy us. He came reaching his hands of mercy, saying, are you hungry? Come. You tried everything in the world. Has it satisfied you? You tried everything in the world that you thought was going to fulfill you and it didn't. Are you still hungry? Are you still thirsty? Then come to me. And the very thing that has been shamed for you, I am going to turn it around for glory. The very weapon that the enemy formed to destroy you, it will not prosper. The weapon the enemy created, God is turning it around. God is turning it around. The very sword that was going to kill David. David took that same sword and he cut off Goliath's head. He cut off the authority over the enemy. And there's areas in your life that giants in your life that have come against you for too long. And God is trying to tell you, take the weapon of the enemy and decapitate the enemy. Because I've given you authority in that area. It's in that area. If you struggle with addiction, I'm telling you, God is wanting to pour his anointing on you so you could go set the captives free. If you were abused, God is trying to put his healing into that abuse so you can go deliver those that are abused. If you were caught up in religion and you were just snobby and prideful, the prideful people need salvation. The religious people need Jesus. God is not trying to condemn anybody. God is looking for people that know. Uh, let me, I'm sorry, but I can't be quiet. I know you want me to keep an image, but I need to testify right now. I need to testify right now of the goodness of God and how he met me in my wickedness. He met me in my brokenness. And now I must lift up my voice like a voice of trumpet. I must make a sound for I know he's Savior. I know he's Redeemer. There is no one that can encounter the power of God and be silent. There's no way. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The lady with the issue of blood, she encountered Jesus. She encountered Jesus and then she just went and told everybody. The lady at the well, oh, she was a mess. She was a good mess. She was a hot mess. But then she met Jesus and she had to run through the streets. The whole nation got saved because she could not stay quiet. Paul was religious. Paul was persecuting the Christians. Paul was the enemy of God and yet became the best friend of God. Oh my God, he hated the church and yet became the lover of the church. And if you're reading the scriptures, if you're reading Paul's letters and you're reading it with judgment, you're reading it wrong. You're reading it wrong. You need to read Romans, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians and Corinthians. You must read them as letters of love. Read them as letters of love and you'll see how much he loved the church. Because he loved the church, he brought correction to the church. But he loved the church. He loved the church. He hated the church and became a lover of the church. You're about to become the opposite. You're about to become the opposite of what you thought you were. I'm the opposite. None of you will like Abraham 25 years ago. People love me now, but it's because of the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And because I keep telling God, keep healing. I'm in healing and delivering school to get more deeper things healed and delivered. I want God to remodel, tear down my house and rebuild it himself the way that it needs to be built. I want God to tear down every single wall in my life. I want God to, God to go through every nook and cranny of my house. I want God to lift up the rug of my house. And I want him to vacuum under the rug. Not just over the rug, but clean under the rug, Father God. I, got, I want God to tear down the walls and polish the pipes in my house. 
Sometimes we just like the superficial cleaning. Let me tell you something. Allow God to get into the nooks and cranny of your life. Because he's not here to condemn you. He's here to save you. He's here to use you. He's here to set you as an example before the nations. Because the world is in desperation. The world needs to know that there is a savior. The world is in chaos. Everything they were telling us when we were children. Oh my God. Come on. If it's not happening. Oh my God. I'm looking at the news. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm not, you think I'm nervous? I'm sorry. This might sound crazy. Too many Christians are afraid. The end of the world. You, I'm like, celebrate. Celebrate. Jesus is coming. These are only the signs that the king is coming. Everything's shaken. Everything that needs to be shaken is being shaken to the foundations. The systems are falling. The religions are falling. The ways of men are falling. But the king of glory will be exalted on forevermore. Forevermore. Something is happening in the hearts of men. And something must be happening in the heart of the church. And we need to, I'm sorry, but if you're looking to be comfortable, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place because I, I got little spiritual needles in your seats to make you jump up. Like, come on, get up. Put fire on their feet, Holy Ghost. Because when the presence of God gets in you, when you know he's coming, I'm sorry, I know Jesus is coming. And it might not look like what they told us it's going to look like, but... You know how many family members already passed away in these last two years? I'm seeing them leave. My friends are leaving. My old pastors and teachers and leaders, everybody's leaving. I'm like, it's happening, guys. We're not, the end times are not coming. We're in the midst of them. We're in the midst of them. This age will end. And a new age might come, but we still won't be here for the new age. There'll be another, might, could be another generation. Maybe this is the last generation. Who knows? But this generation is coming to its end. I'm 44, turning 45 in two weeks. I accepted the terms. I'm like, wow, if I get to live another 45 years, that'll be a miracle. I know I'm halfway through life. I mean, I look pretty good, but I'm halfway through life. I'm like, whoa. And who knows? I might go tonight. So if I go tonight, at least you all will remember like, yeah, he delivered a pretty wild message. Now is our turn. I don't know when my moment's coming, but I'm looking up. I'm lifting my eyes up to the hills because that is where my help comes from. Who is this that is coming through the hills? Who is this that's coming through the mountain valley, skipping and singing a song, coming for his bride? If you keep identifying as the wicked, as the wicked you're going to be afraid of him. But if you identify as his child, he needs you to accept him as your father. He's your father, and he's such a good father. This message is supposed to be God's fatherhood. <laughs> I'm just going to read some verses and I'm done. And that's why I have the music playing. because And this part, when I read the scripture, I need to read it the way that he speaks to me. See, when, when Jesus spoke to me, he didn't even speak the way that I've been speaking now. I, mean, I, get, I get excited, agitated, I get passionate, so it comes out this way. But Jesus is very like, hey, son. I promise you that's how he talks. He's like, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're not plans to harm you. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. I want to raise you up. I want to set you as an example before the nations. I want to take all that sorrow and I want to turn it around. I want to take you out of the secret place and put you into a public place. Because the world needs to know that I do speak to you. The world needs to know that we do have a relationship. The world needs to know that you are my son. That's how daddy speaks. <laughs> he knows you. And he knows you by name. And nothing and no one will ever separate you from his love. I hear the Lord saying seven times, the just will fall. But seven times I will raise you up. Every time you call upon my name. I will grab you out of the miry pit that you find yourself. And I will put your feet on a firm foundation. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Keep holding on. Even in that quiet place where you think you don't know how to pray, I hear you calling my name. That is the best prayer, Jesus. God, I need you. That's the best prayer. You do not need to compare yourself. Keep crying out. 
Cry out to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. There's a season of answers. A season of answers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Hallelujah. And that's how daddy talks. And the scripture says, John 3, 16. For God, for God so loved the world. Who's the world? You're the world. You're his world. You're his world. You're God's world. Ask a mom if her child is not her world. Is your child your world? They're your world. You're God's world. Every single one of you is God's world. So God, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That if you would simply believe. Do you believe that God is your father? Do you believe? You will not perish. But you will come into eternal life. And you know who's eternal life? He is. He is eternal life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is life, and he wants you to come to him. And Jesus, look, John 1.10, it says, he entered into the world he created. He created it, and then he traveled there. Yet the world was unaware. He came to the people he created, to those who should have received them, but they did not recognize him. But those who embraced him, those who embraced him, those who embraced him, what is to embrace? Jeremy, come over here. Those who embraced him. I'm like. <laughs> I'm trying to like come back down. Because that hug was intense dude. <laughs> and, but those who embraced him. And took a hold of his name. He gave authority to become the children of God. Last week I went to see uh, the musical Annie. And it touched me. I saw the revelation of the father in that shell. I was like, oh, I could just see it. And then what happens when a child gets adopted? They sign a contract, right? And you know that child takes up a new name. That child now has a new last name. When a person adopts you, you get a new last name. You get a new identity. So when God's coming to us, are you embracing him? Are you just keeping up with religion? Are you keeping up with tradition? Or do you know the person? The person that loves your soul. He loves your soul. No human being in this world loves your soul. But the Lord loves your soul. He loves the things that nobody knows about you. The very things you don't even know about yourself. When they took a hold of his name, I'm sorry. But I'm Abraham de Jesus. <laughs> Abraham of Jesus. I'm sorry. I have heaven last name. I'm a child of God. I don't need you to tell me I'm a child of God. I don't need a prophet to tell me I'm a child of God. I take ownership. He is my God. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. In Romans 8.14 it says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You want to see somebody in maturity? Ta-da! You say what the Holy Spirit tells you to say when he says, tells you to say it. You go where the Holy Spirit tells you to go. You feed the hungry. You clothe the naked. You meet the people in the broken place and you lead them to the truth. You go with the truth. The truth name is Jesus. So if you're going to go to the streets and preach, I hope you're bringing them the truth. See, a lot of people want to go to the streets and say, well, I'm going to tell them the truth. And the person's idea of truth is, I'm going to tell you the truth of your sin. I'm going to tell you that you're messed up. That's not the truth. 
that's not the truth. You're telling them the biggest lie they've believed their whole life. They've been walking in a lie. That's not truth. You think the, the truth is that she's a prostitute? You think the truth is that he's a homosexual? You think the truth is that they're an addict? That's not the truth. They've been living a lie the whole time. They accepted a lie as the truth. And they've been walking that lie this whole time. They need somebody to go into the street with the truth. The truth is that God loves you. The truth is that he wants to set you free. The truth is you've been walking in a lie. That's the truth. So I'm not here to tell you about you. Excuse me. I'm here to tell you about the Savior of the world. And his name is Jesus. He loves you. I go to the streets and tell the truth to people. I read people right there. I've been to a pride parade. In, in March, we were a pride parade. And I looked at a kid in the face. And I said, last night you slept with somebody. And they told you they were going to love you. And they walked out this morning. And you find yourself here heartbroken. And the kid began to sob and weep in my arms. And the truth is you're tired. Because you keep looking everywhere for love. And you can't find it. But let me tell you about the truth. His name is Jesus. The truth is a person that laid down his life so you could come out of the lie and enter the truth. For no longer you live, but Christ, the truth, wants to live in you. That's how we speak. I'm not called to the streets to talk to people about their sin. I'm coming to the streets to tell them about the one that broke the chains of their sin. The one that came to break the lies. The one that's bringing them from darkness into marvelous light. And we're there in the dark places shining the light of Jesus. We're not affirming. We're not approving. We're delivering a message from heaven. Because the time on this earth is coming short. And how will they know if no one tells them? And how will they go if nobody sends them? God is looking for people to go because we know who we are. We are the children of God. And that's what we're moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of, of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. You see, because you're getting adopted. You're getting a new name. you got to embrace his name. you got to accept the fact that now he's your father. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. Galatians 3.26 says, for you are, for you are all, for you are all, right here, sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.5, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And a lot of you haven't learned this yet, but you're, you're here because today you're finding out you have a father. And it's starting to happen inside of you. Give it a few years. You'll be in a place just like this with a mic going, Father, he's my father. People going to be like, what is he talking about? You need to respect God because he's not your father. He's God. I, I heard Christians say that. He's your Lord. He's your king. No, he's my father. My father is the king. My father is the Lord. Hey, how do prince talk like that? Tell the prince. Oh, well, he's going to be like, the king is my father. The king is my Lord. The king is daddy. Some don't get it, but he's daddy. Abba is daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Can you say that? I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You're not just a son, but you also an heir. Psalm 103, 13. The same way a loving father feels towards his children. That's but a sample of your tender feeling towards us. Your beloved children who live in awe of you. Matthew 
626 says, consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? Mm, so deep. Here we are worried about our existence. Birds are not. They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly father provides each of them with food. Aren't you more valuable to your father than they? See how beautiful. I mean, people don't know how beautiful the word of God is. When you let allow, you allow the love of God to permeate your heart, you'll read the same book you didn't want to read. Like, oh, that's just a book man, my, made by man. And all of a sudden you're like, it is a love story. You know. <laughs> it's a love story of a father and his children. Come on. So beautiful. Matthew 7, 9 says, do you know of any parent who will give his hungry child who asks for food a plate of rocks instead? And there is people out there that have done that. Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's the best, how much more ready is our Heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask Him. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, wow, I have a dad. I'm sorry, but I'm taking ownership of my relationship with God. Psalm 68, 5 says, He is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Is God in his holy, is God in his holy habitation? Because he sits in the mercy throne, in the mercy seat. When he sees that hurting widow, he provides for her. He's merciful over her. That's why he asked us to love the orphans. Why would God ask us to do something that he doesn't do? No, because he does it. He wants us to follow in his footsteps. He wants us to have love for the, for the orphan and the foster. He wants us to love the broken. He wants us to provide for them because through our actions of love, they'll discover that God is good. Because we are his ambassadors. Too many people in this age do not want to go to church. They do not want to know God. But because the ambassadors have done a very bad job. It's not because God is bad. It's because the ambassadors are bad. Let's get it right. I used to blame God for the church. I used to blame God for the, his ambassadors. But God himself has to, had to come and meet me in my, pain, in my pain, in my sorrow, in my sin, in my brokenness. So then I could be like, oh, wow. I'm sorry. I believe the lies. Has anybody ever gossiped about you? And people stopped talking to you because somebody lied about you? Anybody here ever experienced that? People turn, ever turn against you because somebody else spoke a lie? But then they got to know you and they're like, oh my God, I, I believe the lie about you. But that's not who you are. You are such a nice person. Right? Well, guess what the devil been doing about God? He's been going around the earth using lies. It's in manipulating them. So people will think that God is mean, that God is evil, that God is this, that God is that. And we've stayed away from God, perishing in our sin. And instead of running to the Savior, it's like Louis Lane trying to think that Superman is trying to kill her. She's believing Lex Luthor because Superman is trying to kill her. In reality, Lex Luthor is trying to kill her. The liar is the bad guy. The Lord is the truth. God is the truth. And if we believe the lies, we're going to run away from God. And we find ourselves in more sin and more brokenness and more bondage. But it's because we're staying away from God. In other words, you're walking in more darkness because you're running away from the light. The further you run away, like get on a rocket and fly away from the sun, you're going to go into deeper darkness. You want to be in light? Take your rocket straight to the sun. When you get so close to the sun, there's no darkness. I bet you fall into the sun, you don't see a bit of darkness in there. Because there's only light. And God wants us to go to him. But the enemy doesn't want us to go to God. He wants us to go the opposite way. So he's going to speak lies to lures away. That's why stranger danger. Don't you listen to the voice of the stranger. Listen to the voice of God. And run to the voice of God. Uh, Isaiah 64, 8. I'm just loading you guys and then you're going to go and have a good Father's Day. But we're starting here first. Isaiah 64, 8. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. 
Hosea. See, a lot of people be like, oh, it's New Testament covenant. Let me tell you something. When I started encountering the glory of God, I looked at the Old Testament. I look at the New Testament. I only see one covenant. And it's a covenant of love. When I went into heaven, I saw one covenant of love. One. Just one. Everything is being restored. It means it's going back to what it originally was. Everything's being put back. We're being renewed. It's not being made new. It's being renewed. It's going back. It got broken and he's taking it and he's putting it back. We're going back to the garden. We're going back to his presence. We're going back to the way it was meant to be. We believe the lie of the snake. We believe the lie of the dragon. We believe the lie of the devil. But he made a way back to the father's house. We're going back home. It doesn't matter what we go through in this world. We are going back home. And we must just listen to his voice. Jesus doesn't lie. If Jesus said that in his father's house there's many rooms, then guess what? There are many rooms in the father's house. Do you want to go back to your bedroom or not? I'm going back to my bedroom. I want to go back home. I don't want to be independent. I don't want to be on my own. I want to live in daddy's house. I tried it on my own. I tried it on my own. I want to live with my father forever. I am that prodigal son that left my father's house. I tried the ways of this world. I almost ate the pig food. I almost died. But I remember that even the servants were eating much better in my father's house. So I prefer to go home and be a servant and we think we're just going to be servants of God. No, we are children of God. We still have, we're still in that process. Like, I'll just be a servant. I'll just be a servant. Way until the gates of heaven open for you on that day. And you tell me if you're a servant of God. I'm going to be over there with my crown like, ha-ha. What are you? Say it. Say it. What are you? You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And nobody can steal that identity. Jesus has the mark in his hand. He said, can a mother, Isaiah 49, can a mother that breastfed her child, that birthed her child, forget about that child? Yes, she can. There's mothers that could. There's mothers that could abandon their children. There's mothers that won't, but there's also mothers that could. I'm an abandoned child. I was abandoned by my mother. But the Lord says, even if she does, even if she does, I will never forget you. He says, look at the palm of my hand. You are engraved in the palm of his hand. Why do you think Jesus died on the cross? Why do you think he has piercing in his hand? Why do you think when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with the wound. And he's going to look at you in the face. He's going to be like, look at my hand. Do you see yourself in my hand? And you'll know that's your father. He loves you so much that he died for you. He said, you're not going to hell. You're coming home. I'm going to stand in the way because a good father is going to fight for their child. If you saw a little kid being trafficked right now, your grandchild, your daughter, your son, your brother, your sister, you walked outside, you're in the mall with them, and somebody grabs them and snatches them away, are you going to just stand there, or are you going to fight with everything you have? Even if you don't know how to fight, you'll throw yourself in them, you'll grab them by the ankle, right? You're going to do something. Every single one of us would. If you're walking with your old mother in the mall or supermarket and somebody comes and punches your mom in the face and drags her around the floor, you're just going to stand there? No. I'm a pastor. Somebody getting whooped. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen to my mama because I love her. And you know what? Jesus is so good that the devil was dragging you in your sin. The devil was dragging you in darkness and Jesus got in the way and he went to the enemy's house. And he said, you give me those keys back. You have no authority. And he looked at death and he looked at grave. He said, oh death, oh grave, where is your sting? Where is your victory? He is a God that fights for his people. And we think he's not. He fights for his people. So when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. You are Israel. And out of Egypt, God has called you. Isaiah 6, 3. 3.16, for you are our father, though Abraham does not know us. Abraham doesn't know us. He's going to meet us one day. But God knows us. And Israel does not recognize us. Jacob is Israel. Okay? They don't recognize us. Even Israel, he'll be like, oh, those are Gentiles. Those are not God's people. Watch us march in. Like we also have a father. 
we were orphans but now we have a father those that were not his people are now his people and it says in Romans chapter 9 and in the very place they were told they were not loved by God in that very place they became children of the living God is in this very place that we've become children of our living father Malachi 2.10 says, do we not all have one father? Has God not, has not one God created us? We're all children. There's only one God. There's no other gods. They don't even exist. People made stuff up. The fallen angels deceived people in different nations. There's only one God. There's no many gods. There's only God. There's only the great I am. The fallen angels wanted to take over humanity. They wanted worshipers. They deceived people. Read your Bibles, guys. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly praises in Christ. Peter said it too, 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See how we're going back home? We were, we were home, we were born here. So now we need to be born again to be back there. That's what we're born again. That's why we get baptized. When you're born, what comes out? Blood and water. When you get baptized, you're accepting the blood of Jesus. And then you're accepting the water, which is the Holy Spirit of God. In the very beginning, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And now he's moving upon our lives. And the last verse, I made it. I made it. I know it's a lot of father stuff, but what do you expect? He's loved me. Yes, I talk a lot. And I take ownership that I talk a lot because he's filled my mouth with his glory. Religion did not save me. Tradition did not save me. Jesus saved me. My father saved me. So I talk a lot. You're going to go home and I'm going to go walk somewhere and I'm going to still talk to somebody about Jesus today. You don't believe me? Go to my Facebook. Later on tonight, I'll be on Facebook for in a four-hour session. Some preachers be like, well, maybe you'll get a bigger audience if he spoke just for ten minutes. No. That's disrespect to my God. What am I going to tell you in 10 minutes? I got a zillion testimonies. I got to keep going and going and going and going. What do you think you're going to do in heaven? You think in heaven you're going to talk about 10 minutes? You better start practicing. We have forever. We have forever to talk in heaven. So get used to it. I know I'm messing up your religious system. I know you got to go. Good. Hey, if you never come back, I gave it to you. Good. I gave you 10 years worth of preachings. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 6.18, and this is the end. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You have a father. You have a father. And you must leave today. Go celebrate your earthly father. But remember that your heavenly father gave you that earthly father. And for those of you that don't have a father, some of you don't have a father. And some of you were abandoned by your dad. You have a father. Maybe your dad already passed away and you can't run to your dad today and give him a hug. And you might miss him extremely. But you still have a God, your father. Even though your mother and your father will forsake you. It could be a willingly forsake or an unwilling, like passing away. They had to forsake you. But the Lord will still raise you up. The Lord is still raising you up. He says in his word, when you were a child and you were born, I carried you in my arms. But as you get older, I'm going to carry you on my back. So even when you get old and gray, I promise you, I know it's hard to picture it, but God's giving you a piggyback ride. He has you. He's like, you're going to make it. God got you. That's God. I want you to leave today knowing if you never see me again, it's okay. I'll see you in heaven. Because you're there and I'm there. I promise you that. Because he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. No glory to you, but all glory to him. The good work he began, he will fulfill it. Amen? Amen. We can stand. Whew, Jesus. <laughs> 
I love the Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, not sorry. I love me some Jesus. I love my father. People might call me a fanatic. A fanatic? I am. I'm a fan. What do you think? I am a fan of Jesus. I'm his number one fan. Watch. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And, 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 and I know it's hard for some people because some people haven't had that type of encounter. But I know and I believe that the, your day is coming. But you're going to encounter the Lord in a way that you never thought, dreamed, or imagined. I know that he is the one that's going to fill your mouth with a praise. He is the one that's going to give you a, a new song. He's the one that's taking away the, the garments of heaviness. And he's putting on you a garment of praise. So don't be desperate. Don't get upset. Your day is coming. I waited years for my moment. And I'm like, yay. And as much as I describe it, your encounter is not going to be like mine. Your moment is not going to be like mine. So just, just be like, God, I just want you. I don't know what that's going to look like. But I want to know you. I want to know your heartbeat, Lord. Jesus said the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests. But the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. Can you simply be God's neck? Can you be his pillow? Can you just say, Lord, just, just rest your head on me. Can I just be whatever it is that you want me to be? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.